G'day community and welcome to the Jock Reynolds BBL podcast. My name is Damo and welcome to episode 10. We've got Azza, how are you doing mate? I am fantastic as always mate, ready for another podcast. And Dill, how are you? Yeah, well thanks Damo, what about yourself? I'm not too bad, thanks for asking. And we've also got very special guest, currently 17th ranked Bryce Mitchell, how are you mate? G'day all. G'day Damo, as Dill. Thanks for having me on. Uh, 17 at the moment, but uh, yeah, let's hope I can uh, stay up there. Uh, but uh, had my first uh, week uh, downwards last week, so hopefully it's not a trend of things to come. Hopefully not. You're going very well this season. Uh, there's only three rounds left after the uh, Scorchers Heat game this afternoon. We're recording this before the end of round 10. Um who do we think is the must-haves to have in our team for these final three rounds? Um, a couple of Stars boys have really caught my eye. They seem to have picked up a bit of form. So I think Glenn Maxwell is just about the, the biggest must-have of the in the whole tournament. Uh, Marcus Stoinis bowled his first over of the season um, in the Stars' last game as well. So he's one that I think is, is pretty close to a must-have. Um, and Adam Zamp is another one who... Doesn't usually get a bat, but with the ball, he's, a, he's as good as anyone else in the competition. So from the stars, um, those three would be pretty close to must-haves for me. For me, I reckon the top th- my top three, if I was looking at them, uh, Josh Felipe is probably one that you don't want to really be missing out on given his current form. Averaging 106 in the past three rounds is absolutely phenomenal and uh, averaging 92.6 in the past five, it's... Somebody that I reckon she probably should have had all season long as a as a bit of a lock. I didn't start him, given I was chasing some uh, other other cash. But uh, no, that's sort of hurt me, and I can feel that now. And I would uh, say that he's probably one that you definitely should have. Other than that, Daniel Sams, pending his injury, is another one that I reckon will be a must-have given his uh, DPP, and he's probably the must-have all-rounder given his high average as well. And lastly, a bit of a point of difference here. Uh, One of the other players that you must consider trading in is Nick Burtis from the Sixers. Wicketkeeper Batsman, 42,000. The reason I reckon he is a must-have is because he is the best loophole player for the last three rounds. Sixers play the last match in each of those last rounds, so if you're looking for a downgrade player um, and you're looking for that cheaper option, he's your perfect person because that way you can set your team up very nicely for the last three rounds to maximise your scores, looping in other players, getting a bit of a look in and then bringing in uh, having Burtis on the field uh, as your loophole player. So that's the top three for me, Felipe, Sams, and Burtis. What about you, Bryce? I think you gents have uh, mentioned most of the uh, must-haves from, from my perspective. I mean, we probably have um, a lot of these already, given we've just had the Stars, uh, Scorchers, doubles. So that's uh, Stoinis, uh, Maxwell, Zampa. I think that uh, you want to have them in your side. Um, I also think that uh, Jai Richardson, um, uh, if you have him, I, I probably be, wouldn't be looking to trade him uh, over the next three weeks. He's uh, one of the leading wicket takers uh, in the BBL this year. Um, another, uh, so, so I think Philippe was mentioned. I think that if you have Philippe or, or, or Carey, uh, they're pretty much uh, must-have uh, keepers uh, for, the, for the rest of the season. Any other one, one I'll mention that uh, hasn't been mentioned so far is Kane Richardson. 
I think that he's had a bit of a uh, struggling season, but I think that he's starting to uh, find some form, get some points, uh, and he's at home for the last three weeks. So I think he's a, a good one to have for the run home, and he's pretty cheap uh, as well. I guess one of the things to think about with the final three games is the strikers play the final three games at Adelaide Oval. Um, there's possibly test players adding to squads. Um, the Renegades are back in Marvel, as Bryce just said. Um, the Scorchers January 26 game still has no venue and there is the potential that they do head back to Perth for that game as well. So I agree. Jai Richardson is someone who you need. Don't worry about trading him because of his high price to get other players in. Um, he's someone who you'll need, especially if the Scorchers make the finals. Um, I'm pretty much on board with everything that you guys said. I don't have any players to really add to it. Um, the only thing is, I do like Alex Carey. I do like Josh Philippe, but I also am quite big on Ben McDermott as well. Um, and he scored a 97 off 57 last night, I believe it was. So he's another one who's in red hot form as well. It is worth looking just on the on the topic of, of venues and matchups and whatnot. I've just brought up um, some of the stats here. So for the strikers um, who play a lot of games at Adelaide Oval from here on in, Peter Siddle, I think, is one to consider if he gets back from his um, his injury. He averages 65 at the Adelaide Oval. Alex Carey is also 60 plus, and so is Wes Agar. Um, so there's a few options there. And then from the Renegades, Ken Richardson, who, who Bryce mentioned before. I think he's just about a lock to get in next week for me. He's he's only 122 grand this round. I'm not quite sure what he'll do in terms of his price. Um, I think he's going to go up a little bit, but not shouldn't be too much at all. Um, and he averages 90 at, at Marvel Stadium. So he's one for the, uh, for the Renegades. And Aaron Finch, you know, he's so out of form, but he also averages 76 um, at Marvel Stadium. So if you can loop Finch, I think that um, that could be another option too. Can you tell when a player's form is going to turn around? Do you think venues or matchups really affect when a player's form is going to turn around? Don't ask me about form. I've been terrible with this all season. When we look at preseason, I said... Um, Glenn Maxwell wasn't one to have, and Chris Lynn was out of form. And now look at you know we're you know ten rounds in the season, and they're both one of the top uh, ranked you know averaging players of the season. So they definitely do turn them around them at some point, but it's a bit of a, a bit of an unknown. But um, it is a risk you can take. I mean, we, you know, when we looked at Lynn coming back after the injury, a lot of people jumped on him purely because of the double game round and have you know it's been it paid off for him uh for me i would love to hope that finch does turn his form around i'm probably going to bring him in um given that he's going to be priced pretty much as a rookie and with the ceiling that he's got it is going to be hard for you to want to miss out on that and so he'll be one that's in my side i pray that he does turn it around but it some kind can be an unknown, but I'm definitely not the person to ask about form for sure. Bryce, you had your team trains, your team trades planned out for basically the entire season. Has how specific were they? Did you keep in mind players' form, or have you just stayed true to what you planned out? So for the season, I have a general plan about um, what what um, teams I'm going to trade in at certain points, uh, and I'll actually lock in. Um, the, the, the best players from the teams from the double game weeks. 
And I guess when they those particular players um, bottom out in price um, is when I target them. Um, what I find is that players that have the, the talent and the ability will generally bounce back at some point. And so uh, I try to target them uh, at, at a cheaper price um, and then get them before uh, others do. Um, and, and so I think that that's... Um, what I think will happen with Finch, he's been he's been down most of the season. Let's let's be honest, um, but I just see that he has to turn it around at some point in the next three weeks. Um, I mean, I, I think there's going to be one, at least one or two good scores in, in that. He's too good a player to be down for that long. He's he's a captain of the Australian team uh, in T20, and he's the opening batsman. He's just got the quality there that at some point it, it'll just click. And he'll get his confidence up and hopefully um, a couple more scores uh, follow after that. Um, but that's, I guess, how I've approached um, the, the season is to have um, a, a general plan, which isn't too specific, um, know the players that I'm going to target. And then as I go through, pick them off um, and get them into my team at the right point. But but be able to adjust plans as new new information emerges. Um, so I think that um, I always had in mind, for example, to pick up Josh Inglis um, in uh, the week before uh, his double game week uh, or on the double game week. Um, new information came to light in, in a couple of rounds before the double game week. Um, and I think he got pushed down the order a little bit and wasn't really in that greater form. And I decided to, to pass up on him and, and go for Roy instead. Um, so I guess while I always had the, the, the long season plan to get him uh, as, as my keeper, new, th- new things happen, new information emerges and the ability to kind of adjust things on, on the fly um, is, is, I guess, the, the approach that I take. It's, a, it's kind of a flexible long-term strategy and, and, and trade plan. Uh, and that's, I think, um, I guess one of the reasons why I've had a successful season, the ability to, to have a long-term plan, but also adjust uh, on the fly as you're going through. You say that you pick up a player when they bottom out, probably from not a great game not that long ago, or they're not in great form now. How long before you decide whether that player is going to bounce back and you decide to move them on before, perhaps before you were planning to? I, I think that, uh, bowlers have the ability to uh, bounce back a little bit easier than batsmen. Batsmen takes kind of form and timing and uh, maybe, I guess, getting used to a ground, whereas bowlers can pretty much have a bad game and um, or, or a rain-affected game, get get zero points, their, their price comes down in two rounds, and, and then that's the point to get him. And uh, I think that that... Is easy, that form is easier to turn around as a bowler than it than it is as a batsman because you can get kind of low on confidence and that kind of carries through. So I think it's harder to judge when form will turn around with the with a batsman compared to a bowler. Um, and I guess with respect to the specific case of Finch, um, you have the ability over the next couple of weeks uh, to put him on your bench uh, as an emergency um, if he scores poorly. Um, you don't have to take his score. If he scores well, you can bring that non-playing player on. Uh, that's the, I guess he's, we don't expect his price to go down any further. Now's the time to buy him, put him on your bench. If he doesn't do well the next two weeks, there's kind of, there's there's nothing lost there because he's not on your field. 
but there's a lot to gain because if he actually turns it around in form and gets a big score, he can actually uh, claim those points. Um, so that'll be my approach with him um, uh, by, by trading him in most likely uh, next week. But, um, yeah, plans change every day. I've got six players playing tonight, so we'll see what happens tonight and um, adjust from there. A quick change of subject, I guess, because I don't know how to segue into this. I find the Sydney Sixers are hard to score against, but apart from a, a, a select few players, they don't have a lot of consistent scorers either. Um, so, But given they're at the top of the table, you're probably going to need two or three of them during the finals. Who stands out out of their players as players that you will need come finals time or before the end of the year? Personally, I don't think there's any real lock in that side. Dan Christian, I've had hit him since the start, and he's been awesome for me. But, you know, the Sixers have a lot of players still to come back in. So, you know, that's Moses Henriquez, um, Nathan Lyon, Mitch Stark, um, these sort of players. Sean Abbott's another one. We, we don't know how that'll change their dynamic. Um, so I think Christian, obviously, will still play a, a pretty pivotal role. But whether or not he still bowls, three or four overs each game or whether he solely stays as a batsman, you know, that's still all up in the air. Um, rotation's another thing. He's obviously an older older body. I think he's 38 now. Do they do they give him a rest like they've given O'Keefe and, and other types of rest throughout the season when they get all these Test and um, and Aussie sort of players back in? I'm not really sure. Philippi, I think he's one that um, is, is good to have. Uh, Christian's another one that I, I don't think he would trade out by any means, but... Other than that, I don't think there's too many real must-haves. As you said, they're so inconsistent. Carlos Brathwaite's one that some weeks looks awesome and then other weeks hardly features. So, yeah, I'm not sure. What about yourself, Azza? Yeah, look, um, similar sentiments there. I think uh, D, uh, yeah, Dan Christian's probably got a bit of a red flag over him with the um, Oz players to come back. I'll probably be giving him a miss, but he has been performing so well and he is so dangerous with the bat and ball when he turns it on. He is just an absolute superstar of the game. But, yeah, there is a, too much of a red flag there. But um, I do agree, Josh Felipe is probably the number one player that you would have to have from the Sydney Sixers. I am very, very interested in Sean Abbott, given his uh, previous pedigree in Supercoach, averaging 85 last season. He is priced at pretty much close to 220000 It is a huge price to pay with only three rounds to go, but he is an absolute superstar. He was averaging two wickets a game last year. I reckon he's probably going to be one that I will definitely consider if, if when he is named, if if that is going to be even next week. But given he hasn't played um, as you know for some time, it is a another red flag as well. But uh, I'll tell you what, with the, with three rounds to go, and given where I'm sitting, it's it's a risk that I'll probably take head on. And Bryce, what about you? You had a view on this. Um, still trying to form a view on the Sixers specifically. I, I mean, I think that in BBL Supercoach, the scoring is very up and down, and I don't know whether the Sixers' um, scoring is um, more up and down than other teams. Um, batsmen uh, tend to be more up and down than bowlers, so if you're looking for consistent scoring, uh, all-rounders and bowlers are, are probably uh, a better place to target. Um, I know with my team, um, 
I tend to have um, more bowlers in my bowling slots and all-rounders in the batting spots because the, the batting scores can be very uh, inconsistent. Um, so taking Joss Philippi, uh, for example, his last two scores have been huge, uh, 119 and 129. Um, but since his uh, round two score of 140, he's gone 26, 22, 73, 68, 5 and 37. So if you're going to take on a, a popular player, he's potentially one to um, to fade uh, and not have and, and maybe take someone like uh, Carey instead. But it's also dangerous uh, with a player that has such a large ceiling. If he goes big uh, and you don't have him, uh, then you could be behind uh, the pack. And I think that's where I found myself uh, the last couple of weeks as a non-owner. Uh, um I, I need to make a decision on whether I continue to take him on uh, or whether to, uh, to to cancel that out and, and uh, get him into my side like a lot of others have. Um, I guess some comments made about the Sixers lineup. Um, you probably have three players there coming from the uh, Australian Test team back into that side, which is going to cause a bit of a a shuffle. It's actually probably four players uh, now that I'm looking at it. So Moses, Enriquez, you've got Sean Abbott, who hasn't been playing in the test team, but has been not available um, as he's in the squad. You've got Nathan Lyon and Mitchell Stark. Um, I probably expect Lyon and Stark to have a week uh, or at least a round off before starting to play BBL, uh, but that's a little bit uh, speculative. Um, but if Eventually, all four of those players will come in, which will dislodge a, a number of players in that side. Um, while Dan Christian is is uh, aging, as uh, as as I said, he probably has a pretty critical role in that team as far as bowling those two or three overs and um, also being a critical part of their batting lineup. Um, I know that Dan will be pretty keen to play if he's if he's not. Um, uh, carrying any niggling injuries or any soreness. Um, so, but it's also a bit of an orange flag. If uh, if they have so many players, uh, good players to choose from, there's a possibility that he could get rested in, in one of the last uh, three games. So as a as an owner, as a, a person considering bringing him in, uh, you just need to uh, factor that into your, into your trade plans. Uh, in particular, as Sixers play in... Uh, I think the last game uh, of every every round. So if you're thinking of bringing him in uh, and then you bring him in, he might actually uh, be rested in the last game. So uh, something to be uh, a little bit wary of and and, uh, take that into account as you're setting up your team for each round. Bryce, can I just jump in there and ask you a question? I was interested to hear your thoughts on, you said you didn't own Philippi at the moment. How, How do you decide which players to take on um, in terms mm. of high ownership, and which players to go? No, nah, I don't want to. I don't want to take that risk, and I'd rather just pick them. And if they fail, you know, everyone's got them, no issues. Um, how do you sort of decide who to who to pick? Mm. I guess my strategy is uh, largely having actually uh, popular players, and then as a bit of a uh, exemption to that rule, is, is actually target someone. Um, I, I like to target a player like Philippi who has a single game week with a player who has a double game week or a double game week coming up. And that's the reason I don't have him at the moment. I uh, took preference to have 
someone like um, I don't know, Livingston or, or, or some of the other Stars and Scorchers players I've brought in to hopefully have two games which will uh, take on Philippi as a single-game player. I, I guess that um, theory is out the window now that we only have single-game week um, rounds in, in the last three weeks. Um, so, yeah, how to, how to pick those players. Um, I mean, it's a tough one. I mean, one of the considerations for Philippi is he actually has a really high price. If I want to bring him in next round, he's probably going to cost me $200,000. Um, uh, the alternate might actually be cheaper, which means I can invest uh, cash uh, elsewhere in my side. Um yeah, I guess that, that's that's one of the factors. The other factor is um, the variance of a player. So a, a player that has um, uh, the tendency for a low score or a really high score, um, you can actually look at that as an ability to get an edge. Um, hopefully they get that low score and while your other player um, uh, has, has a higher score, in which case you've, you've won out. Ones that are consistently scoring well, like a, a Dan Christian or a Sam's, uh, ones that actually have a, a reasonably high floor, are ones that I probably wouldn't tend to take on because there's not much to gain. Um, so for Dan Christian, if I take him on, his low scores are around the 30 mark. Um, I mean, he's had one game of three, but that was probably a bit of an anomaly. But most of his scores have been uh, fairly... Um, his low scores have been fairly high, so there's less to gain by taking on a player like Dan Christian. Whereas with Philippi, you could drop one of those low scores and your other maybe high-ceiling player, um, perhaps like a Carey, could be on the other end of the scale, in which case you've got a huge edge on, on one of those players. But it's kind of a risk versus reward. You could could go the other way. Philippi could get the, the high score of 100 and, and Carey could get the low score. So... Um, it's yeah, it, it, it's a li- little bit of a, there's a few considerations there, but it's a, a bit of luck in the game as well, uh, which comes with being a, a a batsman where most of your scores come from from the bat. Yeah, that, I've found that as well, and even with your your pure batsman, so you know Chris Lynn's another one, Ben McDermott. That they can I find they tend to come in waves, so you might get two or three really awesome scores, but then you know they would have maxed out in price, and there's going to be a, a pretty ordinary score around the corner. So sometimes, as you said, if you can sort of, I guess, cheat the system a little bit with when you when you bring them in and, and who you take on and when, that can um, clearly lead to a, a boost in your ranking. The, the other approach I like to take is is those players that do have a kind of a high variation, high ceiling, low floor, uh, is to use them in a bench emergency situation. So if you can target a, a high variance player plays early in the round, put them on the bench with the emergency. If they obviously if they go off, then you can loop them on. Um, but if they get a low score, you don't have to take it. So um, that's been a good uh, approach uh, with with batsmen only, and even with Darcy Short being able to do that with with, with some of his scores has been um, beneficial throughout the season. So guys, we've talked about the players that we really want to get into the side and the must-haves. Are there any of the top averaging players and the premiums that we are definitely going to be overlooking in the coming rounds? Good question without notice that one. Let me see. 
any examples on that. Just on that, James Faulkner has left the BBL bubble, so he won't be returning this season. He's re-aggravated his hamstring injury um, and won't be returning to the Hurricanes lineup. He's finished the year averaging 62 from five games. Jeez, that's a tough question, Azza. <laughs> I, I like to throw the tough questions in every now and then. What do you think, Azza? Uh, look, I, I think for me, um, we've, we've talked about it quite a bit, um, that pure batsmen um, can be too volatile. And and one of the ones that uh, sticks out for mine, for me is Chris Lynn. Uh, I even though he's averaging, you know, after the last three rounds at ninety one point three, I'll probably be giving him a miss, uh, just because he does feel like that, you know, while he is in good form, there is a there is going to be a bad one to come around, and we know, yeah, pure batsmen uh, have been the danger players for Supercoach BBL, so he's one for me, uh, and similarly in that same vein of uh, Jason Roy too. I didn't bring him in for this double game week, and I doubt that I'll be bringing him in over the next three rounds, even though he's currently uh, one of the top players for this season. Just on that, as uh, you were speaking about the pure batsmen, the scoring still heavily benefits the bowlers. So, you know, last night, Tanvi saying it was a perfect example, I thought. I didn't think he bowled all that well. Got a couple of wickets when the game was pretty much dead and buried. Um, so he ended up scoring 45, 50 points. But if you look at his figures, he actually went at about 10 and over. So was he that effective? Was what he did, you know, as good as a 30-odd a with the bat at a runner bowl that sort of stabilises an innings? I, I'm still not sure that those that the scoring system reflects that, mm. the contribution a player makes to a game. So, I mean, given we know this, um, that the bowlers are, are heavily, I guess, um, benefiting from the scoring system, I definitely would look at, you know, Mark Steckity's one that I hadn't really considered, but he's he seems to get wickets for fun this season. Um, blokes like Steckity, um, Daniel Worrell's another one um, that are sort of points of difference, I guess, with the ball um, rather than the bat. But, I mean, this time of year when there's so, such little time left in the season, you can almost just take a punt. Um, so long as you're not bringing in a guy like Jason Holder or James Faulkner that have, have finished up for the tournament, Rashid Khan, I, I don't think you can go too wrong in that sense, um, especially with loopholes at this time of year. Um, I've got Nick Burtis, as, as, as I touched on before, and also Lockie Pfeffer still in my team. So I'm, I tend to be looping once or twice a week um, at the moment. So you sort of get you know, 12, 13, 14 cracks at, at 11 scores rather than just the 11. So... Yeah, I don't think you can go too wrong in that sense. We'll finish up pretty soon. I just want, with one game to go, everyone to run through their current round score and who they have left to play. I'm on 878, and I've got Munro, Roy, Livingston, Richardson, and Ty left to play. No Heat players. Yeah, and for me, uh, 852. I've got Jai Richardson as my captain still to come tonight. Uh, Aaron Hardy, AJ Ty, Liam Livingston, and Jack Wildermuth to round out my side. So fingers crossed I can get some big scores out of that and finish the round off very nicely. Uh, let's just have a look at mine. I'm a little bit behind you guys, despite having the Spice Man uh, this week. Um, I was missing Philippi, uh, which was... a uh, a bigger omission this week, but I do 
hopefully come home with a wet spell in the last game. I've got 8.20 up at the moment uh, with six players to come. Chris Lynn, Jack Wilmoth and four sportsers, including Jai Richardson as my captain, uh, Roy uh, and Livingston. Did I miss someone there? And Andrew Tyre. Um, yeah, so hopefully, hopefully finish strong. And Dill, how about you? I'm on a thousand and fifty-two at the moment. Um, <laughs> one of my better rounds, that's for sure. Um, and I've got Joe Richardson, um, Liam Livingston, Colin Munro, and Jason Roy left as well. So fingers crossed that the the Scorchers bat first and make a lot of runs with the bat in those um, first few tonight. Dylan, if you win KFC, just know that I'm here and I'm hungry. <laughs> I thought I was in with a chance this time last night, and then I had Short and Sam's, and uh, I think there's some. I missed out. There's I don't have um, I don't have the Spice Man as Bryce said. Um, Zahi Khan. There's a few few of the big big hitters that um, I think you'll get you'll get teams that have a few more than what I do. So um, either way, hopefully it's a, a an above par score this round, and and we we move up. But always next round. All right, and I think we finish up there. Uh, thank you, Bryce, for coming on the podcast again. It was great to have you back. Yeah, thanks, Bryce. Legend. Thanks for having me again. And as a you were a bit quiet this podcast, but it was great to have you here as well. I'm always around, always, always up for a chat. Um, it was always good to be on the podcast. And yeah, as always, if anyone ever has any questions, um, they always know they can throw it out to myself, Dill. Bryce or Damo on our Twitter handles. Um, thanks again for having me on. And yes, here's hoping for a good fi- uh, finish to the round.